for the final time, hello and welcome to Tokyo Daily. Lots of things to wrap up today, a whole fortnight and a bit to wrap up, and a day that had some events yesterday as well to wrap up, closing ceremony. We're going to talk about a whole lot of things, probably going to be a bit of a loose episode, I reckon, but my name's Harper, and with me to co-host this final edition of Tokyo Daily by Where Do We Begin, uh, my great mate, my great co-host, Mr. Lockie Gibbs. How are you, Lockie? Yeah, I'm stoked. Thanks, Harps. You know, I've loved covering the Olympics over the last couple of weeks. I can see the finish line now. Uh, but yeah, I'm just super stoked to be here. And like you said, I'm looking forward to getting a little bit loose on the air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very much looking forward to that after two and a half weeks of, uh, yeah, it's quite it's quite tiring doing this, I must say. But we've got a day of Olympics to review. The last day of events in the Tokyo Olympic Games 2020 or 2021, whatever you want to call it. The big thing that happened in the morning, the marathon. Lockie, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, mate. I, I was just bloody tired uh, looking at it. You know, the humidity was 75% plus, which I'm not a scientist, but I know that's bloody humid, bloody hot. So <laughs> if anybody's been up to Darwin, Queensland or Bali, it'd be like running in that, I'm sure, in 42K straight. So you can imagine how tough it was. And in fact, 28 out of the 105 athletes actually had to withdraw from the race, which included Aussie Jack Rayner. Um it was such a great fight, though, and I think the uh, the medalist, the gold medalist, which we'll talk about a bit more harps, ultimately really deserved it. But, you know, we had a couple of Aussies in the race. So, like I said before, Jack Rain unfortunately withdrew. Uh, but um, Aussie Liam Adams came 24th and Brett Robertson came 66th. 66th sorry, tongue twister 66th. But I'm absolutely, uh, absolutely stoked for them because it was a great race run. Oh, yeah, an amazing race. And they moved it up north to Sapporo because uh, they expected it to be cool in Tokyo, but it was still 30-plus degrees there, which was just amazing and, speaking of amazing, Ali Kipchoge, probably the greatest long-distance runner of all time. He, he won it in two hours, eight minutes and 38 seconds, full two minutes, 20 seconds ahead of the silver medalist, which is absolutely phenomenal. And that time he got, that's about uh, – Three minutes for every kilometre, for 42 kilometres, Lockie. That's insane, isn't it? I seriously challenge anybody to go out to your local park, clock yourself around a track for 1K. If you can do three minutes for 1K, I will be supremely impressed. And if you see somebody running three minutes a K, you know they are flying. And to be able Mm. to hold on for 42K is like, yes, I know they're Olympians, but, mate, they are actually superhuman. Mm. Gee whiz. there's There's an amazing video on YouTube that puts that speed into perspective, the speed of Ali Kipchoge when he did a marathon, an unofficial one in under two hours, uh, which I encourage people to check out. I'll put the link in the show notes. And I think he's the third man ever to go back-to-back Olympic marathon gold medalist. But uh, another event that happened yesterday featuring an Aussie, couple of Aussies, the men's Kieran final in the track cycling. So guy by the name of Matt Glaitzer, uh, he finished fifth and he's had an amazing story to get to that men's Kieran final. Less than two years ago, it was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Uh, he's overcome that, and he had a pretty bad leg injury just last year as well. Two-time world champion. Phenomenal that he's even there, and fifth place in the final. Superb stuff from Matt Glaitzer. And another Matt, uh, Matthew Richardson, not the Channel 7 commentator, as we've worked out <laughs> over this series. Uh, he got knocked out in the quarterfinal of that same event. But Lockie... The women's basketball final happened yesterday as well. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, well, I think it will come 
as uh, no surprise as anybody, but America won that one. Uh, there was their seventh gold in a row in the event, beating Japan 90-75. And, you know, I think that was quite clear that they were the strongest team in the competition um, from from the start. They're just filled with incredible athletes, um, play the game really well. They're a really skillful team. And I think that's what I'd really appreciate about women's basketball is, is compared to the men, the men sometimes, it's obviously, it's a lot of athlete, athleticism, it's a lot of speed, whereas the fundamentals in women's basketball is absolutely like top notch and they're just such skillful players. So it was a great, great gold medal match and as well deserved. But also Japan fought really well to uh, get through to the final and win silver. Mm, yeah, I think they beat France in the semi, which is superb from them because not many people think of them as a basketballing nation or generally a nation with many tall people. But uh, <laughs> getting all the way to the final and getting themselves a silver medal, nothing to be scoffed at at all. And this was an interesting one. In the uh, karate... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I was going to say Japan. Yeah, Japan is the tenth ranked team in the FIBA World Rankings for women's basketball. So to make it to, through to the final is an absolutely unbelievable effort. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal stuff. Maybe a bit of a home country advantage. Who knows? But yeah. Yeah, they, they had the crowd advantage. That's for sure. Harps. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, that brilliant, brilliant run to get there. But uh, another Japanese sport, uh, karate. Um, that They had a final in that in the 75 kilo men's category. And a Saudi Arabian guy called Tarag Hamedi, he, he thought he'd won the gold medal up against the Iranian Sajad Ganjadeh, but uh, he didn't. Uh, so in the first minute, um, the Saudi Arabian guy knocked out his opponent, uh, but it turns out that the kick to the jaw was too forceful, so he got disqualified because it was a serious violation of the rules. Um, fair enough, I'm not a karate expert, and the opponent was getting treated uh, uh, with oxygen on the mat. Uh, so, yeah, pretty serious kick. And it would have been, if you won it, uh, if old Tarek Hamedi won it, it would have been Saudi Arabia's first gold medal ever in any sport in the Summer Olympics and probably in the Winter Olympics as well because not much snow in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and the opponent, the Iranian opponent, said uh, he was happy about the gold medal but he was sad that he had to win like this. Strange one, wasn't it, Lockie? Yeah, really strange result. And it's actually – so it's the first time karate has ever been involved in the Olympics and – well, I'm not going to say it's the last time. I'm not here for sweeping declarations, but it hasn't been picked up for Paris. So it was one of Japan's choices for uh, for the sport to introduce to the game. And unfortunately, it's gone. But I think, you know, we really enjoyed it for what it was during the games. And it was just awesome to see the showpiece event at, like karate at the games. Mm, yeah, it was awesome indeed. And another interesting one coming out of yesterday, news coming out of yesterday, German coach uh, of a modern pentathlete called Annika Schloy. The coach was called Kim Reisner. She got kicked out of the games uh, because she punched a horse uh, called Saint Boy. Uh, it got a bit fired up at the horse, like a Melbourne lockdown protester. And uh, <laughs> Lockie, do you know do you know why uh, the coach punched the horse? Yeah, probably as many brain cells as a Melbourne lockdown protester, but we'll, uh, I digress and we shall move on. But yeah, the horse just refused to jump or trot. And to be honest, I never expected uh, show horse jumping to be uh, to be front pages of any newspapers, but uh, <laughs> at least they're bringing a few headlines to the sport. All news is good news, as they say. But yeah, so the horse just refused to jump or um, to trot and jump. And I think so it, it was really edgy before actually going going into the arena and it made the first couple of jumps but then it sort of had enough and you really feel bad for the uh for the athlete because she was actually a good gold medal chance heading into it and obviously she just couldn't control the horse to get it to get it to go which is really disheartening for her but i guess the scenes afterwards were just pretty pretty shocking to be honest 
Yeah, and lucky moving on for that one. A couple of friends of the show, great friends of the show, elected uh, to a pretty cool position. Uh, if you ask me, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so uh, Alex Winwood, great friend of the show, and Rachel Lynch among five newcomers to the Australian Olympic Committee. So that, uh, so I think after each games, if I'm not too, I might be wrong with that, but the AOC elects five commission. new the Athletes Commission, yep, uh, elects five new members. And so Jess Fox, Kate Campbell and Ken Wallace were all re-elected and joining them were, as pre-mentioned before, Alex Winwood, who's the first Indigenous member ever, Rachel Lynch, uh, Rowie Webster, who's a water polo player, uh, Hockey's Andrew Ca- Charter or Carter? Charter. What, what is it? Charter? <laughs> Andrew Charter, and, uh, yep. <laughs> and Cameron uh, Girdlestone. So, yeah, so awesome, awesome. And it's actually – so the AOC has actually amended their constitution to guarantee an enduring Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. So, yeah, so it's yeah, aw- awesome initiative to have. And, yeah, anything else, Harps? Mm, yeah, awesome, like you said. But another result coming out of yesterday, just before we move on to our next little segment, uh, Serbia in the men's water polo gold medal match, uh, they got a win. And I've got to say that area of Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, very strong in the water polo. I think they've won all the medals, uh, all the gold medals since 2000 in the men's competition. Serbia beat Greece 13 to 10 uh, in the men's water polo final. And We've actually, speaking of the men's water polo final, our water polo correspondent, plus a few others of our expert uh, expert team, expert guests throughout the games have left a bit of a, a few of their favourite memories from over the games, from their sport and from other sports. And uh, to kick us off, we've got Uga Mihailovic, who is, the, of course, the son of the Aussie Stingers coach Predrag Mihailovic and the brother of Lena, uh, a player for the Stingers. And then after that, you're going to hear Courtney Walsh, our tennis expert. Hey guys, uh, my favourite moment of the Olympics was definitely watching my sister play. That was awesome. And the second favourite moment was uh, Serbia winning the Olympic gold. Thanks for hosting me, guys. Legends and keep up the good work. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, great to be with you again. Um, it's been just a wonderful game and I'm really happy I was able to add a little bit uh, to the coverage in terms of the tennis. Just from the tennis perspective, I thought it was a it was a really amazing uh, Olympics. Great to see a couple of new gold medalists in Alexander Zverev in the men's singles, and also Belinda Benchik in the in the women's singles. It'll be fascinating to see whether they can pilot those success into uh, major wins in coming years. Also, awesome to see Ash Barty and John Pierce get a medal in the mixed doubles. I thought that was just fabulous to see. Um, you know, it was a tough campaign for Ash Barty in particular after the early loss. But great to see her bounce back, and, and clearly the team environment uh, really suited uh, all players there. It was it was wonderful. Um, personal highlights of the uh, of what I thought were a compelling games. Paddy Mills last night in the Australian Boomers finally breaking through for that bronze medal. Uh, it was an awesome performance, amazing from him uh, individually in the in the semi or oh, well, the bronze medal playoff. I see Jess Fox bounce back from a from a bronze medal to finally claim the gold after London uh, in 2012 and then Rio in 2016 to get that gold. Uh, awesome. Um, the swimmers were great uh, to see Peter Ball leading an 800 metre final uh, with about 150 to go was just awesome as well. So fantastic to be part of the coverage. Great fortnight of uh, sport. Wonderful to see that they were able to make it happen and cannot wait for 2024 in Paris. Cheers. 
Oh, thanks so much for that, Ulga and Courtney. You know, I've absolutely loved your contributions throughout the game. It's been so cool for our uh, for our little podcast to have experts like you both in your field. So really appreciate that and just love all that you've done. And yeah, I'm just so, th- I think I speak on behalf of both of us and that you guys are way too overqualified for this podcast. So thanks again. Oh yeah. Thanks so much guys. And there was one thing from yesterday we actually haven't spoken about yet. We didn't speak about in the first segment. The closing ceremony. Uh, now, I, I quite enjoyed this. Uh, it was a good little event. Went went on for two and a half hours, I reckon, but it was fun. It was fun. There were 85 Aussies there because most of them uh, had to leave pretty much straight after their events. Uh, but there, there was like a cool little light show and well, the Olympic rings with these kind of light particles, which was very nice looking, very pleasing to look at. Uh, they, they did all these dances and yeah, it was a good kind of party atmosphere. They did a dance to Ode to Joy by Beethoven for all the classical fans out there, which is an absolute banger. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was very very well done, very well put together. Uh, now, Lockie, what are we talking about next, mate? Yeah, geez, Harps, I'm just a bit flat that I missed out on what sounds like the party of the 21st century, mate. Geez, sound, it seemed yeah. like an absolute <laughs> rager. Um, <laughs> oh, what did you prefer, Harps, though? The closing ceremony or the opening? Which one did you prefer? I quite enjoyed both of them, to be honest. I, I, I probably enjoyed the opening ceremony more because it kind of signaled the start of the Olympics. I was so excited for the Olympics to start um, on that night and it was all like feeling real. But the closing ceremony, it's a bit sad because it's all over, even though it's probably a better, better spectacle. What, you, what about you? Yeah, to be honest, uh, too tough to tell, Harps, too tough to tell, tough to split, <laughs> especially because yep. I didn't watch the closing ceremony. So yeah, <laughs> that, that, that would make a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> I watched the opening though, and I thought, to be honest, it was a little bit boring. But um, yeah. well, that, was just, I mean, that was just my opinion. They often are. They often drag on for a bit, but yeah. Yeah, and speaking speaking of dragging on, I reckon we're dragging on. So I'll get the uh, the ship back on track, or ship back onto the sea. I don't know the exact saying. So we'll go through the <laughs> results of the guests that we had on the podcast and how they went with on, on the Olympics. So first up is Stacey Heimer, who unfortunately uh, she was knocked out in the round of sixteen in the uh, Taekwondo fifty seven kilos event. But you know she'll be she'll be better for the run that's that's before and she had a really really tough opponent and she did us all proud our uh, our next one is alex winwood in the boxing flyway and unfortunately he was knocked out in the first round in the round of 32 but you know i think alex is an he's a superstar like he's he's a ripper bloke go check him out on instagram he's a really funny guy and uh but he's also an unreal athlete so i'm sure we'll be seeing more of him too and then finally, we have Lucy and Delphor. So he came eighth in his uh, K1 final in the uh, canoe slalom. But, you know, it was an unbelievable watch for him. You know, I think the whole nation was watching off the back of uh, Jess Fox's success in the uh, in the canoe and, and kayak. And, yeah, we're just super excited to watch Lucy. And he came second in his heats, but still coming eighth in the final was a great run for him. Mm, yeah, and uh, another person who would be very proud uh, just to getting just for getting to Tokyo because she uh, went through some amazing went over some amazing hurdles, uh, passed some amazing obstacles to get there. As you can hear in her episode, Carly McCulloch, the track cyclist, in a couple of events in the track cycling, the Kieran. Uh, so she finished ninth 
uh, in the final stage in that one, knocked out in the semifinals, went into a kind of ranking thing, so ended up finishing ninth. And in the individual sprint, uh, she got through to the round of 16, but knocked out in the rep charge, which was, um, I'm sure, a bit disappointing for her, but uh, she can be proud of even being there, like I said. And moving on, Jason Waterhouse, the sailor in the NACRA 17 with his cousin, Lisa Darmanin. Uh, they finished fifth over the 10-race event. They were... Oh, they're all on the cusp of getting a medal, I reckon. That they were in third position in the last race at a point, uh, but I think the Germans might have overtaken them. And yeah, it was. They're probably disappointed not getting a medal, but valiant performance and some strong, strong competition there. Hey, Lockie. Yeah, I'm just trying to get my head around the use of valiant. Great word, under underutilized and. Not underutilized, but and but definitely not underappreciated. I think we all appreciate our next one, which is Brooke Stratton, and she was awesome in the long jump. You know, anytime an Aussie uh, makes a final in an athletics event, it's only something to celebrate. And she did an awesome work in the final. I think she jumped six point eight three meters, which was an unbelievable jump, massive improvement on a qualifying jump in the semis, which was six point six. So yeah, so she was absolutely unbelievable. Our next our next guest was uh, Sergey Evaglevsky. Uh, he unfortunately came 17th in the qualifying stage, but he's somebody, he's got, you know, I think the Olympics, um, it's the seventh consecutive Olympics that his family's been involved with. And, you know, he's just going to be better for the run. He's going to gain the experience. And in 20, uh, 2024 in the Paris Olympics, he's going to be a real force to be reckoned with harps. Mm, yeah, Commonwealth Games, silver medalist, bigger and better things to come for the great man, Sergei Vglesky, I reckon. But the next one, Lena Mihailovich, of course, the sister of Uga and the daughter of Predrag, the coach of the Aussie Stingers. The Aussie Stingers knocked out in the quarterfinal in a heartbreaker against the ROC. 8-9, really went down to the wire that one. Anyone's game with seconds to go, but knocked out in the quarterfinal. And then they bet Canada. Uh, and then the Netherlands in some placement games ended up finishing fifth overall in the standing. So that's a um, position not too bad at all, I reckon, considering that they were very, very close to come to the semifinal, could have pushed on from there. Uh, but our next one, Rachel Lynch, this was another heartbreaker in the hockey. I went undefeated through the group stage. They were 5-0. and They conceded one goal into the quarterfinal. They conceded one goal as well against India. But unfortunately, they didn't score a goal. So they lost 1-0 in the quarterfinal to India. Absolute heartbreaker, like I said, for Rachel Lynch, the keeper, and all the Hockey Roos women. Um, yeah, but that's a shame for them. But I reckon they, that is so proud in the group stage. It was amazing. Um, few performances there. And the last one, our last Olympic guest, great man, Jai Edwards, in the 1500 metre. Uh, he had some cracking Australians alongside him with Stuart McSwain and Ollie Hoare in the 1500 metres. Uh, he, he was in the heats. He got knocked out. It was one position uh, from getting through to the semifinal in his heat, finishing in seventh place with a pretty good time. He said it was a brutal race, and I wholeheartedly agree from watching on my tally. Yeah, unfortunate for Jai, but again, first Olympics, bigger and better things for next time. Uh, Lockie, what, what are we doing next? We're, we're doing a bit of listeners' memories, aren't we? So do you want to reel some of them off from the socials? Yeah, yeah, I am. So uh, our first one is uh, Darcy Tobias on Instagram. Thanks for uh, chucking this in. So I think what Darcy loved was um, not only just, I guess, the different sort of sports, but he said two weeks ago, I wouldn't have had the faintest clue who he was, but Tom Daly is one of the most wholesome and skilled people. So for people that don't know, Tom Daly is the British or Great Britain, sorry, diver, and he was absolutely unbelievable uh, during the Olympics. We also had Jack Hanrahan on Instagram, whose favorite was Rowan Browning. So he was the, the sprinter, the 100 meter sprinter that broke the Australian record at 10 
0.01. So I think everybody loved his mullet and uh, the fact that he ran fast. You know, we're pretty simple in Australians. Have a mullet, bowl or run fast. You're one of our favourites. And who, el- who else uh, Who else do uh, contribute in memories that we really agreed with Harps? Uh, we had Cougar Bourbon on Facebook. Not sure if that's your real name, Cougar, uh, but it's a good one. If it is, uh, he just said all of it. Uh, <laughs> I agree with that one, all of it. It was an amazing uh, fortnight and a half, really. And the final one, uh, friend of the show, my mum, Gabrielle Pestinger, uh, P- she said, Peter Ball uh, on Instagram, Peter Ball coming forth, then talking to a room packed full of family and friends. Uh, so some good memories there shared by some of our listeners and friends of the show on the socials. Thanks so much for them, guys. And we've got a couple of final memories from our expert guests. So I'm going to kick us off with Daniel Garb, our football experts, uh, his favorite memories from the Olympics. And then George Nascon, uh, former hockey roo, talking about the hockey and her favorite memories from the games. Here they are. Yeah. Hello, Daniel Garb here. Uh, really sad that the Olympics is over, of course, but it's been unbelievable. In terms of the sport, I was asked to give some Analysis on football, uh, hard to go, go past the Matildas, of course, and their exploits. Love the Oliroos win over Argentina. Feels like years ago now, but that was a great moment early on in the games. Watching the Matildas, though, beat Great Britain to make it through to the semifinals was wonderful. The Sam Kerr equaliser was you know, the climax of, of that moment, of course, and then to knock off a really good team in, in extra time showed that they still belong at the top table of women's football. Disappointing they couldn't cap it off with a medal, of course, but they were a joy to watch the Matildas all through the Olympics. So that was a big moment in my sport. Outside of football, I mean, so many. It was such a brilliant games, Australia-wise and otherwise. Jess Fox's gold medal is one that stands out. I mean, she'd won a silver and a bronze before, Then she has that disappointing run where she wins a bronze in her first race. And there was so much pressure on her to finally deliver and win that gold medal. And uh, her run was just unbelievable, flawless. And you could see the look in her face, the fact that her father was commentating. It all added up to just a magical moment and just delighted she was able to break through for the gold medal eventually. And the nation really rejoiced in that one. So... Yeah, Jess Fox would be in my moment among so many others. It was a brilliant Olympics. I think Australia got Olympic fever again because the time zone added up perfectly for us. So enjoyed every moment. It was fantastic. My favourite hockey moment from the Tokyo Games would have to have been the Kookaburras quarterfinal win over the Dutch. Um, classic rival, cutthroat game, went down to a penalty shootout. Couldn't ask for, for too much more in terms of um, redemption and, and levels of excitement. Another favourite memory for me from the Games um, actually didn't involve an Australian, but it was from the women's cycling road race. Um, the Austrian uh, woman won the gold. Uh, it was a, a super gutsy ride, um, complete underdog, broke away from the pack and, and um, the, the people behind her actually didn't know that, that she was still out in front, but she rode uh, a considerable way by herself um, and just gutsed it out. And, um, and yeah, true underdog story, won the gold uh, and, and was really amazing to watch. Thanks so much for that, Daniel and Georgia. And I same goes for both of you. We really appreciate your contributions throughout not only uh, the Tokyo Daily Series, but you've both also had your own episodes on the podcast. And unfortunately, I haven't had the pleasure to chatting to either of you, but hopefully I will in the future. And for any of our listeners, make sure you go back and listen to both of them as they're absolutely great episodes. But now, harps, harpsy, 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 harpsy. Now it's our turn to have a crack. 
what is our favourite memories of the games? And I'm going to go with you first. Me first. Okay. Well, to be honest, I think my lasting memory out of these games is doing all the podcasts, to be honest. I've got some uh, things that happened kind of in the events, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely never forget the amount of podcasts we've turned out through these games. We've been doing them since May, I think, um, the Olympic episodes, and I, I crunched the numbers, uh, talked to the um, Where Do We Begin statistician, and they said that we turned out over a 1,000 minutes, over 1,100 minutes worth of um, content in the podcast feeds. So, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that, and uh, pr- pretty knackered as well. So super fun to do all these podcasts throughout the Olympics. But in terms of things that happened within the games, one of my favorite memories is Cedric Dubler. Um, he, he was struggling in the decathlon. Um, it wasn't a medal chance really by the end of it. And in the last event, in the 1500 meters, uh, someone that was a chance was his teammate Ash Maloney. He was spurring him on, trying to push him towards that bronze medal, shouting right in his ear um, behind him in the 1500 meters and the sheer elation on his face and with with his expressions when Ash Maloney crossed that line and secured the bronze medal uh, was something I'll definitely never forget. Lockie, what about your memories? Yeah, so I think my first one would be slightly similar to you, but I think it was just really awesome having interview people that were about to go to the games to be able to follow the journey and watch their events. And I think that I really enjoyed that aspect of having that connection to them and then really, I guess, feeling so invested in their journey. So that was a real highlight for me. Uh, in terms of if going away from the other uh, people that we interviewed, I guess the other highlights, you know, I think it had to be like Jess Fox, you know, watching watching her like win bronze in the K1, which is, you know, an amazing effort, but, you know, just a bit crestfallen. And then, but to bounce back in the canoe and win gold, I absolutely love that. And I guess on top of that, you know, I really, I love the Australian boomers finally winning a medal. You know, we chatted about that a lot last night. Um, so I, w- I won't go too much into it. And I guess my other favourite moment would have to be Melissa Wu winning bronze. You know, I think she's been so close in the individual events in the last couple of Olympics and to just see her final, to get a bronze medal in the 10-metre platform, I think I really enjoy that. It was a great, uh, diving's a really unique sport that I only watch once every four years, but when I do, I just have such appreciation for the athletes and what they can do. Oh, yeah, big time. And that just about wraps us up for what we're going to chat about in this episode and in Tokyo Daily as a whole. If you've been listening to one of the episodes or all of the episodes, appreciate it so, 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 so much. Um, Yeah, can't thank you enough for supporting us along the way. It's been great fun churning out all these episodes, all this content for you. Um, Lockie, anything else you'd like to say quickly about the series? Just like to thank everybody that's helped us, all the athletes, all the experts, um, I'd like to thank yourself, Harps. You've done an unbelievable job at, you know, pulling, putting this all together. And to be honest, hearing that churned out at 11,000 minutes, that's 11,000 minutes or well, not 11,000, but you, you know, that's, that's, that's hours set at the desk, you know, editing. So Harper does all the editing. So really give yourself a pat on the back. Um, and I just like to thank all the listeners that have tuned in, whether that's one episode, two episodes, three episodes or 30. Uh, we really, really appreciate all of it, all the support. So thank you so much. Mm, yeah, thanks for that, mate. And thanks to everyone who's listened. We're going to take a bit of a break after this Tokyo Daily Series because Lockie's knackered, I'm knackered. I've been having lots of late nights editing the show, putting it all together. Um, so we, we'll probably be back in a few weeks uh, with some more Olympic content, some more Australian sport content. It will be great to be back in a few weeks. For now, though, uh, I'm going to get to bed and probably sleep for the next week. Uh, what about you, Lockie? 
probably uh, probably a bit of study, a bit of soiving, a bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I uh, hope our listeners haven't been sleeping through this podcast. Uh, it's been really fun to put it all together for you guys. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.